In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we will continue Daniel 6. And this is probably the last chapter where we kind of hear stories. After that chapter, remember I told you Daniel is half stories, half prophecies. So from next chapter, we'll talk about the prophecies that Daniel have seen. And that's why the church considers the book of Daniel part of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Just a quick review, we said the book of Daniel, basically the theme of the book of Daniel is that God reigns, God in control. And we reviewed in chapter 4, how Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest king of all time, he was arrogant, he was prideful, God sent him a message, told him be careful, he did not listen, God humbled him by making him live almost like animals for seven years. And we said even though Nebuchadnezzar have seen many miracles, but this humbling experience made him worship God and praise God. So a lot of times when we see a lot of experience from outside, they don't affect us as much as the, our personal humbling experiences with God. Chapter 5, we met the grandchild of King Nebuchadnezzar. And remember we said Nebuchadnezzar had a son called Nabudius. He's not in the book of Daniel. And most likely Nabudius was alive, so Belshazzar was reigning in Babylon. And we said Belshazzar was careless, he was disrespectful. And the enemy was on the border of the walls of Babylon. So instead of him trying to figure out a way of how to fight, he brought in all the lords and he had a party and they were drinking and he used the vessels of the Lord and he did not respect the God of Israel. And then at the same night, he heard a writing from heaven that told him, you have been weighed. And when God weighed you, he found you wanting. And at that same night, he lost his life and he lost the kingdom. Chapter 6 is the most famous chapter in the book of Daniel. It is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It's a story of Daniel in the lion's den. So what's happening? After Babylon fell, the king of Persia came over and he took over Babylon. Once he took over Babylon, he's trying to set up new government. Okay, this probably took place between the year of 539 to 537 BC. By that time, Daniel was about 80 years old. So you see, when we started, Daniel was 15. Today, he's 80 years old. He lived through Nebuchadnezzar. He lived through his son and his grandson. And already, the, by that time, by the, the story we're going to read today, some of the Jews have returned back to Jerusalem by the hands of Zerubbabel. You guys remember we said they're, they're, that when the Persian came, they allowed some people to go back to their native country. So Zerubbabel went back and he started building the temple. The temple was destroyed by Babylon. Zerubbabel came and built the temple and then Nehemiah built the walls around Jerusalem. So that's the later parts of, of the story. And then later on the temple was destroyed again. So now we're talking about the the there's some good news that some people went back to repair, to repair uh, the temple. There's, there's a, just a historical issue that I want to discuss before we start. In, in, first, in the first verse it says, it pleased Darius. So actually, the king of Persia, historically his name is Cyrus, not Darius. Okay? So there are two theories. One theory that says that the king... Cyrus appointed somebody by the name Gobrius or Darius, 
and he was simply his local representative in Babylon. The other theory that says Cyrus and Darius are two different titles. And it was very common for kings to have different titles at that time. So any, any pharaoh could have multiple titles. So here it's common in the Persian king also had different titles. So these two theories are accepted as alternative to explain who is the Darius we're talking about. Okay? And we will see as we go through this that the two theories kind of work. Okay, we're going to start from verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 uh, straps to, o to be over the whole kingdom. So Darius is a new king coming in. He's taking over Babylon. The first thing he's going to do, very obviously, let me organize. So what he's going to do, he's going to anoint, uh, he's going to appoint 120 straps. Straps, the word means protector of the kingdom. Okay, so it's almost he's creating these small divisions. And you can think of it as if he's creating 120 over the kingdom of Babylon or through his big kingdom. Either way, so it doesn't matter. And that's a good attitude, by the way, like the, the system of government, the system of management have been around for a very long time. And over these three, over these, over these 120 people, he appoints three governors, of whom Daniel was one, and the straps might account to them so the king would suffer no loss. So he has 120 people, above them there are three. One of those three is Daniel. And he says the king might suffer no loss. It means that this managerial system will guarantee that the king will get all the taxes he needs. The people cannot escape from taxes. So he's setting up a system where he makes sure that everybody's paying, he's not losing anything. Then Daniel, this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the straps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to sitting him over the whole realm, the whole kingdom. One of the questions we might ask, how did Darius hear about Daniel? How did he appoint him? Okay? And there are different, different things that you can expect. One, he probably have heard about the writing on the wall episodes that happened with Belshazzar the chapter before. I'm sure people told him, you know, this Daniel, he predicted that you will win. He also might have heard from the local, remember last time I was telling you the local people did not really like Belshazzar very much. So he might have heard from the local people that, wait, Daniel is a good guy, we like him, we want him to be in charge. Just hearing hearing also that he was an important figure in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. But what's amazing is that when Darius put three people of equal leadership, he said what? Daniel had a unique spirit. Remember, I was telling you when Daniel started, how old was he? 15. Today is what? 80. 65 years later, this man is still on fire. This man is still full of the wisdom of God. Something special about him over and over and over again. Imagine, kiddo, think about it with me. This whole earth full of people but the Spirit of God resided in his heart for 65 years. Now almost 80 years. What does that Spirit of God looks like? 
It probably made people trust him easy. It was probably a peaceful spirit, an honest spirit, a faithful spirit, a, a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of honesty. He's depending not on his attraction or his wisdom or his talents or his fame. He's depending on the spirit of God inside of him. But obviously the king, the king said, you know what? This guy is so good that I will make him basically the second after me. I will make him ruler over everything. And obviously when you have somebody becoming that successful in politics, you have people who envy them. So let's see what happened. So the governors and the straps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. So they said, you know what, let's find something against him. Is he cheating? Is he stealing? Is he doing something? But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. This verse is mind-blowing. Daniel is working for a foreign land. He's not working for his own country. He has not heard the verse in the Bible that says, whatever you do, do it as wholeheartedly to the Lord. And what is he? He's so faithful to a foreign land. He doesn't say, you know what, let me steal some money, smuggle some money to Jerusalem or Israel. He was so faithful in his work that even his enemies could not find anything against him. Compare this with our life when we, for example, now a lot of us are taking school virtually and people find it easy to cheat. People go to work, find it easy to lie to their boss. People find it easy to lie to the government so they can get more benefits or they apply for unemployment and they don't deserve it. A lot of things we see here where this man was faithful. And that's why it's important for us to keep this in mind. Do not give the devil material against you. Do not give the devil material against you. What I mean by this? If the devil knows that there's somebody you don't like, guess what? That's power against you. Let's say, for example, you're constantly stealing or cheating. That's power against you. You guys know the story of Abuna Mikhail Ibrahim. When has, he's at work, he has two pins. One that the work he gave him and one is his own. And whenever he's doing something personal, he uses his own pin. Whenever he's doing something for work. Like some people, when they go to work and there's a nice closet of supplies, they take some for the family, for dad and mom and the uncles. And he was faithful. They could not find anything against him. By the way, this is not easy in a political setting because people constantly want to bribe you, want to give you money, want to try to destroy you a certain way or another. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they said, you know what, this guy is so faithful. The only way that we can hold anything against him is through his religion, which tells you that everybody knew how Daniel's spiritual life was critical to him. Daniel was a strictly monotheist. His conviction were not hidden. 
people see the Spirit of God in him. So they said, you know what? We know that the only way we can come to Daniel is through his God. What does that mean? That they knew that Daniel would not compromise when it comes to God. It will not, you'll be actually mind blown of what Daniel did today. He would not compromise when it comes to God. And everybody knew it. It's almost like when you get in the car with your friends, that you know this one friend will not let you listen to inappropriate music. Or we, you're hanging out with that friend and you know you cannot curse. Or you know you cannot just you know, do whatever crazy things people do. People knew how committed this man was. So these governors and straps thronged before the king and said, said, and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. This is a typical greeting. All the governors of the kingdom and administrators and straps, the councils and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal a statue and to make a firm degree, decree that whoever petition any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of line. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. What happened? We said there was about 120 straps and three people on top of them. So you're talking about 123 total. Exclude Daniel, 122. Probably a small group of them went to the king. You don't, you, it's hard for me to imagine 122 walk all of a sudden to the king. Probably three or four, okay? They went in. They went as a group. Tarfin, they all tell you, hey, evil finds company. Even if people cannot agree together, but sometime in evil, they agree. That's why our Lord even said, the kingdom of the devil cannot be divided. Even the devils agree on certain things. Evil agrees on certain things. So they went to the king as a group. And sometime the devil, the evil, makes us that they have very loud voices. Even though most people loved Daniel. Most regular people wanted Daniel. The king himself liked him. But sometimes you have a small group who have loud voices that make it sound that everybody is saying this. And I always get worried when somebody tells me, Abuna, all the youth are saying this. Or everybody in the church is saying this. When people generalize to that, generalize to that extent, it gets you worried. Obviously, what did, what did they tell him? Because this is important. They told him, look, we want you to build a statue. But what's the purpose of the statue? If anybody has a petition, they cannot go to any god or man. What does he mean by man? They cannot go to any priest. So the only way they can offer a petition is to come to the statue and offer a petition. Be careful. This is different than the three young men. The three young men, the king said, the music goes, everybody has to worship. Here he's saying, if you have a petition. So if you have a, no petition for 30 days, you can do nothing. You're fine. Is that clear or not clear? Because this is important. This is a key to this, to this story here. 
that Daniel could have done absolutely nothing and he'll be fine. Now, you have to keep in mind something. The king is an extremely intelligent man. When they came and offered him this offer, guess what they told him? Now the king must establish a decree. He did not tell them, to give me some time to think. Give me some time to pray, to consult. Even though King Darius is a good king, we'll see later, but every king has a little bit, and most people in leadership has a weakness in terms of pride, in terms of loyalty. And he probably liked the idea because he wanted to see who will be loyal to him and who will be disloyal to him. But he did not think it through. Because if he would have thought it through, he will see that this is a foolish idea. Because it does not force everybody. So a lot of people can, be hide, a lot of people can hide behind doors. But he, out of being, out of liking the idea, he rushed to it without thinking, without figuring out. And the law said that he cannot change the decree. You guys remember in the story of Esther 119? It said, if pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recording in the laws of Persian and Medes so that it will not be altered. This is consistent. The laws of Persian and Medes does not allow the law to be altered. Once it's done, it's out, it's done. It has to be fulfilled. The other thing that you have to think about is, it amazes me. The people that went to the king to tell him this, they must know that Daniel is so convicted in his spiritual life that he's not going to change his habits. They will go to the king and tell him, whoever petitions any other god but you, how do you know that? How is Daniel going to react? How do you know? But they knew. Because this man loved God so much. And he was consistent every day in his relationship with God. From day one, when he said, I will fast. I will risk everything, but I will not risk my God. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And what did, he, what did he do when he got home? And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and, and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Imagine with me, honestly, I want you to think about this. Daniel, once he, hit, he heard the writing, he did not say, you know what? Let me ask my father of confession if I should pray. Let me kind of, you know, pray but close the window. Let me just kind of, you know, think over it for a couple of days. Let me see what I want to do. He goes in, opens the windows, and prays three times as it was his custom from the early days. What does that mean? That this is Daniel's spiritual canon. I, I want you guys to think about this. When, for example, you sit with your father of confession and tells you, pray the morning hour, pray the night hour. 
We come usually say, oh, I can't pray the morning hour. I'm lazy for prayer. I'm not lazy for prayer. It, they tried to scare Daniel. We're going to throw you in the lion's den to stop your spiritual canon. He would not stop. Like all of us stand in front of this man embarrassed. That he would not give up his spiritual canon. Not even one time. If you look in the book of Psalms, it says every morning, evening, sorry, evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. And Daniel used to pray the morning hour, the twelfth hour, probably an hour in the midst of the day. When I look at this, this man, they had to threaten him not to pray. And me and you sometime, out of pure laziness, we don't pray. We don't follow our spiritual canons. And then we wonder, why is God working in other people's life more than us? This man did not say, I'm going to spend a month without praying. He did not say, I'm going to close. He had his upper room, by the way, it means that this man was rich. When he has an upper room in that time, and usually a lot of it was made out of diamond windows. He did not even close his window. He said, I will pray. But what is he going to pray to God and tell him? He said what? Look at what did he pray to God and tell him? He knelt three times that day and prayed. And what did he do? And gave thanks. He did not stand in front of God. God, what's going to happen to me now? He gave thanks. This man is like a mountain. A mountain. He might die soon and he's standing in front of God and giving thanks. He did not even the change where he prays. And guys, by the way, in the ancient time, the Jews followed what the Solomon said in 1 King 8, uh, chapter 8, where about when he told God, whoever, even if they are far from your mountain, uh, from the temple, and look, at, and look at it while they're praying, accept their prayer. He knew where to stand. He knew where to stay. That's why, by the way, in the Dedicate, when they taught the Lord's Prayer, they said, three times a day, thus pray the Lord's Prayer. And John Cassian talks about how we, as people, and the monks and the nuns, were praying constantly, just like Daniel was praying. I want us to stop at this point here and pay attention that a man would not give up his spiritual canon even if they throw him in the lion dens. Now there's a question that might come out of this. The Bible, for example, in Romans 13, 1 and 2, talks about how we should respect the authority, how we should be as Christian good citizens. So why is it okay for Daniel to break, to break the law of the land? This is important because later on we will see that this point is cleared. But guys, remember that when we look at the Bible, 
we look at the Bible as a whole. In the book of Acts, it said we must obey God rather than men. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that sometime civil disobedience is okay. When the laws of the land contradict the laws of God. When the laws of the land, non-violent civil disobedience is okay. When the laws of the land contradict the laws of God. The laws of the land contradict the laws of God. I just, when I'm looking at the situation, I don't know what Daniel is thanking God for. But also I'm amazed at somebody for 65 years without a church, without a spiritual support, in the midst of the palace, where people are constantly drinking and partying and women and all this stuff, can still keep his custom three times a day. Where do I stand when I compare myself to him? Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying. Yeah, surprise. These men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Obviously, these officials were targeting Daniel. And you might wonder, and I was thinking to others, like, what is he praying about? And I think in my mind, I feel like he was praying a lot about the Jews who are in the exile. And we will see this actually in the book of, in the chapter 9, you will see that Daniel was extremely concerned with his people. Maybe he was thanking God that God gave him a chance to repent before he dies, because he did not know whether he's going to live or die. He can write down and think about what is he thinking of. By the way, it's not like he prayed our father and left. He was kneeling and praying. I was actually talking to somebody in the monastic life, and they were telling me that in their younger days when their health was, was capable, they would actually kneel down throughout the whole Agbeya prayer. They're praying the full hour of the Agbeya while they are kneeling down. Standing in front of God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Obviously, they ran to the king. Have you not signed a decree? They're talking to the king. That every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the dens of lime. The king answered and said, The thing is true. According to the law of Mary's affairs, which does not alter. Yes, that's true. Obviously, when they go and tell, they're reminding the king first of the decree, but they also, now Daniel have committed a violation of the law and now there are witnesses to prove that he violated the law okay so they're going in and telling him look this is crazy and Darius acknowledged it so the answer and said before the king that Daniel that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah does not show due regard to you O king for the decree that you have signed but makes his petition three times a day they tried to make Daniel seem like a rebel. They told him that Daniel, you know that Daniel that we captured from Judah, 
This people, this people are bad people. He is not loyal to you. He does not respect the law. And it's not, it's, not, it's not like he broke it once. He breaks it three times a day. They are pushing the button of the king's pride. And if you were in the king's place, you'd be like, oh, get, get me that Daniel. I'm going to kill him right now. Okay? Let's see what the king did. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with what? With himself. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Darius realized that they were doing this because they wanted to get rid of Daniel. And he realized that they fooled him. They realized that they fooled him. And he was trying to do everything in his power to save Daniel. What does that mean to save Daniel? He probably brought in some legal experts, trying to talk with them, like, what any loophole in the system we can try to expose? Nothing. But the law of, May, if, of Persia, it, it has to be, the decree must be carried of this, on the same day. So think about it this, day, this way. If Daniel was praying three times, they probably saw him at noon. They told the king at noon. So the king only had a few hours until he made a decision. Look at this. Even the king himself, with all his power, is not able to repair his own mistake. The mistakes we make when we are rushed, sometimes we have difficult time repairing them. That's why the worst decision I make are the quickest decisions. Because the devil does not want me to think. But also keep in mind something. The king knew that those people are jealous of Daniel. And even though they seem very smart, but think about it with me this way. Even if Daniel would have died, even if the lions have eaten him, I don't think the king would have trusted those people. And this is important for us, because in your life you'll see people who might lie too much, or jealous, or spread rumors. But guess what? Eventually people know who they are. Eventually people know who they are. So don't let them shake you. Don't let them shake you. Then, these men approached the king and said to the king, obviously they saw that the king is trying to save Daniel. King, know, O king, that it is the law of Median Persian that no degree or statue which the king established may be changed. When they saw the king is trying to save Daniel, they went back to him and told him, King, you can't do anything. You have to follow the law. Okay? So, so the king said, okay, you know, there's nothing I could do. So they brought in Daniel. So the king gave the command and they brought in Daniel and cast him into the, line, into the den of lions. Into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve, serve what? Continually. He will deliver you. Imagine, kid, when they brought in Daniel in front of the king. The king probably was embarrassed. This is the man who is most loyal, most faithful. The one who has the spirit of God. 
and because of my arrogance and because of my desire to look at the grades, I put my best friend in the worst situation. But then he looked at him and told him, may the God whom you serve continually save you. Obviously, Darius was an unbeliever. He did not have like all the faith in the God of Daniel yet. But he knew probably from the stories, from interacting with Daniel, that Daniel, Daniel's God is special. And Daniel, God could save him. He had a little bit of faith. He had a little bit of faith. Okay? I just, yeah, and I want to stop at this word when the king told him, your God that you serve continually. Daniel's lifestyle was known to everyone. And it's shameful when people do not recognize our principles and our lifestyle as Christians. And it's shameful when our weddings, our birthdays, our parties, our celebrations, our lifestyle are no different from the people of the world. No different whatsoever. People knew that this was a man of God. People knew that this was a man of God. They threw him in the lion's den. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own uh, signet ring, with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might be changed. It might, might not be changed. Basically what they do is they, they put in the stone, they put a chain to tie the stone, and then they bring a clay, and the clay is usually soft, and then they sign it, and then with once after time, it, it, it's hardened. So no, if you move the chains, you will know that somebody uh, tried to break the chains. So he's in the tomb. It's almost like, reminds us of when Jesus was in the tomb. Like in the lion's den. We have not heard a single word from Daniel. We have not heard a single word. He did not tell the king, why did you do this? Nothing. It's him and God alone. Now the king went to his palace. Look at this beautiful verse. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night doing what? Fasting. How did he fast? No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. So how did he fast? He did not bring any music. What does it mean he did not bring any music? It means there is no dancing. There is no music. There is no food. There is no partying. He went to his palace and he was sad and decided to fast. He did not go home and say, you know what? I'm so upset. I'm so sad. Uh, let me get, you know, enjoy my life. Get me something to escape. I want to escape the situation. This is so tough for me. Bring me some alcohol. Let me get drunk or bring me the dancing and music. And uh, just, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. No. He's not trying to escape a reality. And this is the real way of fasting. When I'm fasting, 
I can be fasting and listening to any worldly music and doing the worldly things and doing whatever I want to do. It's nonsense. The pagan king, pagan king who does not know what his fasting means because his heart was in the right place, God led him to fast the right way. One of the worst things that we do in our life is that we teach our kids the wrong fasting. When they grow, they will not understand it. Not understand it. By the way, if you go home, you can make the, a similarity between the image of Daniel in the lion's den and Christ in the, in the tomb. Look what happened. The, like Mary's woke up early. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. The, uh, the, the Babylonian custom, and it's probably carried over to the Persian custom, is that if you order somebody to die or tortured and he did not die in the same day, you can pardon him. So it's not like he's in the lion's den forever. So the law is if you fulfill, if you, put, if you torture him or punish him for a day and he did not die, then he's what? He can be released. So the king woke up very early, not sure what's happening, did not sleep the night before, came to the tomb. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, said, the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? You see, the king still has a little bit of faith. Even though his, his voice is anguished, his voice is sad, but he still has a little bit of faith. Because he saw how Daniel served God. By the way, I think, in my any, I think, because the king saw how faithful Daniel he was to him, and he how, how much the king tried to save him. So in his mind, if I'm a human, and I saw how Daniel dealing with me, and I tried to save him, what about his own God, whom he serves continually? His own God must want to save him, because he's a faithful servant. Look, verse 21 and 22. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. You see, even, even when he's in the lion's den, he's respecting the king. Anything outside the laws of God, he's so faithful in. Yes, he violated the law that was against God, but even when he spoke to the king with so much respect. My God, my God, sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, and also a king, I have done no wrong before you. Daniel, uh, the, the, Daniel with a rejoicing voice, excited. Why was he excited? He told the king, I, I was found innocent in front of God and also you. Well, Daniel just violated the law of the land. He was disobedient to the law of the land. But God told him, you are innocent in front of the king.
How beautiful it is when God comes and tells me, you are innocent. Even though the pressure around you so much wanted to make you feel guilty. But God said, you are innocent. Think about it this way. What was Daniel doing in the lion's den? The Bible doesn't say much. The Bible doesn't say much. But one of the fathers said something so beautiful. He said, the lions almost became so tamed that they were just under the authority of Daniel. He said, as if almost God returned him to the state of Adam. You guys know, when God created Adam, Adam had authority over all the animals. And the man who was so faithful to God, his authority was restored, and he was living in the lion's den as Adam was living in paradise. The lion's den became paradise. The lion's den became paradise. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him. The king loves him so much. And commanded that they should take Daniel up of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no injury what, whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. You see, there's not even a scratch on him. It's not like he was fighting the, the, the lions. Nothing. He came out whole, whole. And I want you guys to keep in mind this. A lot of times when we look at the life of the saints, we say, well, you know, these saints have experienced a lot of miracles. But how faithful have they been? How trusting have they been? How consistent have they been? How humble have they been? If I am the second man after President Biden and I walk into the church, how would, how would I act? Would I get on my knees three times a day? People complain, they say, Abuna, we're so busy, we can't pray. How about Daniel? 80 years old and he is almost the second man in the kingdom and he has so much responsibility, but he still prays three times a day. What excuses can we come up with when we stand in front of the joint of faith? What excuses can we come up with when we stand in front of this joint of faith? And the king gave the command, and they brought in those men who had accused Daniel, the ones that came earlier. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever come into the bottom of the den. Like, before even they go down, they were destroyed. As I was telling you earlier, that the people who lie, people who deceit, eventually their lies are known. 
You might say, why did the king put the wives and the children in? This was practice in the old time to prevent retaliation. To prevent what? Retaliation. If he kills these, the children and the, and, the, and the wives, then he guaranteed that nobody is going to grow old and try to fight the king back. And it was common practice in these days. But keep in mind, as I was telling you earlier, it's not like the 120 straps the leaders went to the king. It's probably few. Three or four probably went in and they were the ones who got the punishment. Now, the, the scripture allowed this part of the story just to show us that the lions were hungry. To confirm the miracle that happened with Daniel. Because you might say, well, who knows, maybe the lion died, died downstairs. Nobody knows what's happened. But the same then, different people went in and before even they go in, they were gone. Like almost the story of the three young children. The people that threw them to the fire were killed, but they still walked into the fire. So there's always somewhere to affirm the miracle itself. Then the king Darius wrote to all people, nation, language that dwell in the earth. That's why we say, remember earlier in this, in this chapter, I told you there are two uh, theories. And we said one, it's either Darius is a local king or the, over, or the big king. Most likely this shows that he's the big king because he's sending a letter to all people, all nation, all language that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. The king was so impressed with the miracle of Daniel that he's going to send a letter to all the nations. I make a decree that in every dominion of the kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. People shall fear the God of Daniel. Why? Because he's living. He's not like the idols. He's interfering. He's moving. He's active. He's present. They fear and tremble the God of Daniel. Remember I told you the theme of the book of Daniel is God reigns. God in control. God used one man like Daniel. Jerusalem did not work. People of Israel did not work. God said no problem. A nation is not going to work. I will work through one man. And through that single man, everybody was to fear and worship the God of Daniel. What else does, does this God does? He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of lions? The king knows nothing about the God of Daniel. He only knows Daniel and what God does with him. What how beautiful it is when people know God through us. He is the God of Daniel. Like Daniel said, He is my God. How intimate, how personal. I hear Him, I talk to Him. We have an intimate bond for years. People walk around and say, this man has the Spirit of God. We don't hear in the book of Daniel, people say, Daniel is rich. Daniel has a flat for $500 million. Daniel has a Lamborghini. You don't hear any of this garbage. We hear that this man has the Spirit of God. That's what we hear. 
So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Daniel prospered. Most likely, they gave him promotion. They made him the second highest, all that stuff, which doesn't matter. Because at the end of his life, Daniel continued to live the way he is. I just want, before we leave, I want us to leave with two ideas. Number one, God is in control, but he's looking for somebody who's faithful to be able to walk through him. God is in control, but he's looking for his faithful servants to be able to walk through them. The second thing is what we learn from Daniel is our spiritual canon is so valuable. I cannot just make a vacation or a, or a hangout or an exam or whatever it is make me compromise on my spiritual canon. They threatened him and he said, I will continue to worship God the same way, the same manner, no question asked, no hesitation. And this concludes the parts of the stories in the life of Daniel. Later on, we will see that the spiritual visions that he has seen and you will be amazed at the things that God showed him and also by how much the heaven loves Daniel. And we will see this in, in the chapters to come. God willing, just to get a quick reminder, we will not have Bible study for the next two weeks. Next week is Palm Sunday. And the week after is Easter, Resurrection. And then we, God willing, will resume the week after. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.